This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Zoom now goes, this meeting is being recorded. I wonder when it started doing that. doesn't matter. Okay. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. Um, I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is... Vanessa Valiente. And our guest today... Today. It's fine. I haven't been drinking yet. It's okay. Our guest today is Zena Wynn. Woo! Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking. So I am drinking Angry Orchard... Hard cider, crisp apple, Ooh, crisp apple. I almost put some um, uh, honey jack in there, but I decided it's Sunday, so let's not do that. Okay, Vanessa. I am drinking uh, rum and coke. Just trying to keep it classic. So there you go. Very cool, Zena. What are you drinking today? Yeah, just old Gatorade. <laughs> I need to hydrate. Okay. You can be the electrolytes that we need. It's fine. <laughs> to to live so it's all good <laughs> exactly it's from oh god idiocracy is that the movie water everything with gatorade has electrolytes <laughs> okay let's talk a little bit about what you write for those out there that don't know you what do you um tell our audience a little bit about what you write okay i write sensuous and erotic romance and um a variety of subgenres, basically everything but historical. Mm -hmm. um, most of my protagonists or my heroes and heroines are what the romance industry would consider mature because they're 30 plus. Um, lately, I've been getting into characters in the 40s. Um, so, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I love that. And you write interracial too. Yeah. Yes. Which I love. And we, we, we got to know you through um, the interracial uh, expo and Kasana, which is awesome. So that's super exciting because we're, we're cyber stalking you because we do that to our guests. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're cyber stalking and you write across all of these genres. It's kind of amazing, like paranormal and all kinds of stuff in there. How many books have you written? Oh, I lose count. I know it's 35 plus. Let's just say I've been spent, I've spent the last two months rebuilding my website. It is a pain trying to move all that data over. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting about websites. You think, oh, I got to get something up there. I need to put it up there. And then when you have to go clean it up, it's like, oh God, what was I thinking? <laughs> I can move nothing. So when did you start um, writing? When What was your the origination of the writer? When um, I've always been an avid romance reader. And um, I got introduced to ebooks pretty early when they first started coming out. And I was sitting at work one day and a scene came to me and I wrote it down and then I typed it up. And I sent it to my two book buddies and they immediately was like, where is this book? We want to buy it. Did you buy it? And I was like, I wrote it. And they were like, oh, you have to finish it. 
And that book, yeah, it was, um, that was December 2006. And in March of 2007, it, that book became True Mates and it was contracted by Lucid. Oh, nice. Very cool. So you went traditional to start. Yes, small publishing, yes. Are you still there or are you self-published now? I self-published now. I made the transition to self-publishing in 2014. What made you decide to make the transition? Um, what first happened was one of the publishers that I had closed and I had orphan books and I had to learn. I didn't want those books to be lost. So I got with other authors and I learned how to publish those. And then I kind of liked the control of it and said, all right, my <laughs> next book, <laughs> I'm just going to publish. Cause I had already, I made a lot of contacts during my years. Um, from the different organizations that I was in. So I, I had a cover artist, I had editors. I think the thing that um, made me hesitate to do it is because I like being able to write and hand it off to someone else and they take it and run with it and then just concentrate on the next book. I thought self-publishing meant I had to do everything myself then I came to understand that self-publishing just means I have to hire everyone to do the things that oh, a to do. You, you, yeah, no, and it, I think self-publishing is amazing for people who have the time and the money to do it because that's the thing about self-publishing is that you have to have the ability to, to pay for the different things that you need done and the time and how to, it's a whole thing. You, and you have to learn a whole thing. It's like a yeah, but I think that's that's great, especially if you were with small publishers that close, you know, because that unfortunately happened. So your first book was what was the title? True Mates. It was a paranormal. True Mates. What kind of paranormal were they? Um, werewolf, faded mates oh. type story. Paranormal. Never that genre will never die. It's. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite. That's why I wrote it, because I was having a hard time finding paranormals that I like to read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I, I have to ask, you You said you have over 35 books. Uh, so how many books do you publish a year? Uh, because that that you've had to release at least more than one to, to reach the amount that you have now, right? My goal is two to three books a year. Now, if I do... Um, most of them are novellas, but if I do a longer one, then I may only do two books that year. But I all, my goal is always one per quarter. Oh, nice. Do you, do you do series mainly? Um, no, I also have standalones. I only have a few. Um, I started, True Mates is a series. I started with a series. And then my first contemporary book, was a standalone, The Question. Um, it does have now a small follow-up story simply because readers bug me so much about what happened, what happened? And so years later, I wrote a short story letting people catch up with that couple. But um, most of my books are single titles. I have a few series, but True Mates would be my biggest one because there are eight, Seven, 
seven or eight books in that series right now. Don't you love as authors when we start forgetting how many things we've done and we're like, um, and then of course your number one fan would be like, there's eight of them and the titles are blah, 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 and it's order. And <laughs> the numbers always throw me off because I started with True Mates um, and then a couple of books in, I wrote a prequel. And Amazon's not real friendly about you titling 0.5 books. <laughs> so that's why I'm always like, seven or the eight? I, I lose track. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I always tell my authors, like, it's going to look like it's book six, but it's really book 5.5. And that's how that works. Um, so when you, what made you, I, you know, your friends did this, but what made you go, you know what, I'm going to write something and I'm going to look for a publisher and I'm going to do this. Did you have writing as a passion growing up? Yes, actually, I think I always wanted to be a writer and I actually, maybe when I was a teenager, researched it. And then when I found out about the gatekeepers and how hard it was and you had to find an agent and everything, I kind of tucked those dreams away. Did you write a lot as a kid? Um, I won't say that I wrote a lot. I was always very imaginative. I could tell stories and I read a ton. My grandmother really instilled in me a love of reading. Mm -hmm. So you always saw me with a book in my hand. What, what kind of uh, books do you think you were reading most as a kid? Like what, what series were you most drawn to? Um, well, my grandmother was a Christian, so I wrote, I read books with her like, um, oh my God, what is that book? I would say that would be like Christian fantasy. Um, of course, Disney. I loved anything Disney related. That's probably where my uh, romance streak came from. And then in seventh grade, someone stuck a Harlequin romance in my hand. And I've been romance ever since. What kind of romance do you like to read, paranormal romance? Are you a fan of the genre you write in? I actually love just about all romances. I'm, I am a, um, I guess a mood reader is what you would call me. Right now, I'm really, I've been trying to hunt down every um, urban fantasy sci-fi <laughs> book with a strong female protagonist that I can find. So I'm on that kind of a kick right now. But I mean, I'll read sci-fi, futuristic, I'll read aliens. It, when I get in the mood, I grew up reading historicals. It's just whatever mood I'm in, the only reason I won't write a historical is because it's too much research. And those <laughs> readers, if you get a historical detail wrong, they will nail you for it. So, oh, yes, they will. <laughs> yes. Yes, they will. Very unforgiving. Kind of like sci-fi fans. Yes. Very unforgiving humans when you get the, the science wrong. Oh, um, yes. You have to have the science right. <laughs> you got to have the science right. When, okay, so you, you wrote this scene in your head. You send it to your friends, and they're like, you need to write this down. Talk, take us through the journey a little bit because, you know, it's always a great, like I have, you know, I meet so many kind of writers that have brilliant ideas that never get it to paper. So how did you actually get through that to get a published book out of the deal? So um, 
I had read hundreds, probably even thousands of books, but reading one and writing one, you learn very quickly, is two different things. Um, I found this book, Erotic Romance for Dummies. And oh. um, yeah, I learned a lot about what a romance novel is. Some of it I had already um, in, intuited simply because of all the books that I read. Um, the only thing that that book could not tell me to do is how to format my uh, story. But I I was reading a lot of small public, indie published books like Faze and Lucid and Laura's Cave, all of those that were really big back then. And um, when I got the first draft finished, I said, I'm not going to try one of the big houses. I sent it to, do you remember Cobblestone Press? Oh, yeah. 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 I sent it to them, and their response to me was, ew, you need to send this to Lucid. <laughs> they print like this. <laughs> I, so I sent it to Lucid, and the response I got was that the story was great and that they would assign an an editor to me to help me develop it. But they thought the storyline was good enough to publish. Nice. Wow. So what was that process like? I know for a lot of first time writers, when they encounter the editor for the first time, that's an interesting experience. Oh. So, <laughs> so let me tell you what I did. Um, I had my original manuscript and, you know, of course you communicate with your editor by email. Um, I am very good with Microsoft, but I had never used track changes. So I didn't know that's what she was doing. So she would send me something back and I would take all her corrections and transfer it over to my manuscript and oh. mail that back to her. Oh, that must have taken forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking every comma, every deletion out. I'm like side by side. And um, it wasn't until I contracted with Faze and got assigned the editor there that she started off the conversation with, do you know how to use track changes? And I was like, uh, uh, no. And she explained it to me. And I was like, oh, you mean? <laughs> so I felt really stupid. <laughs> but my original editor never said it. I don't even know if she knew what I was doing. Probably not if you send wow. it back to her with all the changes. So she was like, okay, like, cool. That's she, she's probably thinking, why the hell is it taking her so long? <laughs> that is awesome. So how long from when you wrote it to when it got published, your first book? So True Mates was contracted in March of 2007, and it released the following March in 2008. <laughs> not bad that's not bad at all that's very cool well, how, like uh how long does it normally take you to complete a draft at least a first draft so if i were a consistent writer you know what it life's so busy i kind of i 
I would like to say that I'm a professional writer. What I am is really a professional hobbyist when it comes to publishing. I write when I can. So I would say three to four months to um, complete a first draft. If, if I'm flowing well, that some books are write themselves. Um, these last two books that I've written that are post-apocalyptic because there's so much world building in it and the science and trying to figure out what they might be doing in the future, you know, based on what they're doing now and trying to get the pandemic science details right, that took longer because, you know, it's a lot of mental. I could snap out a contemporary real easy though, because, you know, that's more characterization than world building. No, totally. Do you, um, how has, how has COVID affected your writing? It's interesting. We've heard from so many writers during this time and it's kind of all over the map with whether it helped or hindered their writing ability. Um, I still managed to stay on my writing schedule such as it is, meaning I was able to push out my books. But what I did a lot during the COVID shutdown is um, I focused on more on the publishing side of the business, all the little things that I let fall through the um, cracks, like making sure all of my books were up at all the retailers. Cause when you play ping pong with them, sometimes one of them drops somewhere. So um, I really took that time to get more art organized. And I also branched out into, I had branched out into audio books. So I was still doing that in the background, um, you know, sending books out to be narrated and, editing and reviewing them. So I would say my publishing schedule slowed down a little bit. I still managed to get the two to three books out. But whereas before the pandemic, I was writing and then releasing those books the next year, it was more, I was back to, okay, I got this book done. I'm going to sit it work on something else, then come back to the first one, send it off to the editor. So it was like a a, a quicker release. I, di I didn't have those books in reserves like I like to have. I haven't got back to that yet either. Do you feel like you had to do any kind of met rituals or anything to keep your mental health? Like, you know, were you, did, was there anything that you did during the COVID 2020 that you felt like you did to help improve and make sure that you were keeping and maintaining that particular schedule. Cause I know for myself, it was super hard. And I try to focus a lot on self care mm -hmm. you know, because when you're stuck at home and you can't leave. And, you know, for me, I was living by myself, you know, so it's hard when you don't have that interaction. Was there anything that you felt like you had to do just to kind of make sure you're maintaining that momentum? Um, no, not really. Now I will say this 2020 was a rough year even before COVID hit, because um, my mom had a lot of serious health issues starting February 2020, um, where we were like, literally, I was being woken up in the middle of the night saying, you know, her telling me, you need to call 911, kind of a oh thing, and taking her to the hospital. And we almost lost her at one point. So when they first started with the shutdowns um, that April, um, I worked for city government. Mm. And so for me, 
getting sent home was almost a relax. I mean, a rest because I was so stressed out from her situation. And then my sister came up and started taking my mom to different places. So that gave me a break. And then um, I got COVID, but I had a mild case of it. So I was literally quarantined for two months. <laughs> I think the hardest part of that was I did not realize until you don't realize until you can't go anywhere how much you run around running around you do. Oh, totally. I think that was one of the biggest things for me. And my boyfriend likes to tease me. So he's very much kind of a homebody type person, but I'm out and I'm doing coffee and I'm having lunch and I'm going and meeting authors and I'm going to bookstores and going to events. Like I am a busy person most of the time. And this last year has been like terrible. And then on top of that, when we finally started opening things up, like the team just went to Pensacon and went to IRAE and I broke my leg. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so now you're back home again. <laughs> me and Kasana keeps joking. We're twinsies. So I, you know, I broke my leg. So now I was stuck at home for both these things. It's like the worst thing. So finally, but I can get out of the house. I can't get out of the house because my little scooter here and me are best friends right now until I can walk on it. Right. Like, this is terrible. This is the worst thing in the world. But you do, you miss the little things like just being able to run to the store. When I broke my leg, actually, it was in March of this year. And, you know, I, I fell while walking. I'm not very proud of this story. And um, when my boyfriend, he got me back to the house, I didn't put any weight on it. And his um, sister-in-law is a nurse. And she's like, do we want to go to the emergency room? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to go to the COVID emergency room. I will wait to go to my podiatrist on Monday. Because the idea of going to an emergency room now, it was already like a whole thing. If you had to take your mom, you know, it's a whole entire thing when you go. But COVID has added this layer to it that's like, no, I'm going to have to be really, really badly hurt. Broken leg, not enough for me to go to the emergency room, please and thank you. Unless a bone was sticking out, which it was not, thankfully. I think the worst part about going to the hospital during COVID was you have to go in alone. Like, you're not even able to really go have anyone to, like, take, you know, be there to support you. Because, like, my my mom was diagnosed with cancer and mm -hmm. she, during COVID, and had to go into the hospital, have a full, like, hysterectomy and go through chemo and everything. And we, every, like, my dad could only go, like, so far, but then she had to do a lot of that stuff by herself. So I feel like that was just even worse. Like, hospital already sucks but then having to then deal with the fact that you don't have someone there to like support you is even the worst is even worse you know did did the post-apocalyptic stories come out of covid or were they already on your brain <laughs> ironically i actually started those stories um i started book one and book two because they were so intertwined I started them in 2019 and I kind of set them aside and then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, wow. I could not have predicted that that was going to happen. But um, I'm kind of glad that I didn't push through and publish them before the pandemic because I've learned so much 
about pandemics and how people respond to them and, you know, the science and how they spread. And I was able to take all of that scientific knowledge and add it to my book. Well, that's awesome. And when are those set to come out? Um, the first one released um, the end of February, um, Mate Run Pia's Story, and then Mate Run Sharice, which is book two, released on Memorial Day. And I'm in oh the process of working on book three. How many books are going to be in that series? Do you know yet? I know three. Um, and we'll see after that. I'm really trying to train myself with series to start a book or start a series and keep writing until I'm finished with the series instead of, you know, following all the plot bunnies that bounce around in my head. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, uh, well, I hope that works. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. This voice is really freaking me out. It keeps telling me the meeting being recorded. Okay, let's talk about your process, my friend. So are you a plotter? Do you outline? How do you, how do you come about the stories? Because... I am a full-blown panster. The only thing I know about my books when I start is that opening scene. Everything else is a mystery. Oh, wow. Do you feel it's character-driven or just idea-driven? Because sometimes authors talk about that their characters take them where the story's going, and others say the scenes come to them, and then they weave the scenes together. I think I'm more character-driven. Um Maybe that first scene will be a scene with the characters, um, a scenario that pops into my head, kind of a, I wonder what would happen if, you know, this or that. Um, and then I'll have get that opening scene and then I will go from there. My book, um, one of my true mates books, Tamika Smile, started off as a scene with, um, a cop pulling someone over on the side of the road and basically molesting her. <laughs> so wow. I had that scene for the longest and I was like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? And then the idea came to me, make it part of the True Make series. And the reason that... Um, he molested her because he was attracted to her and he did not understand. Um, he didn't know about true mates because he was not, he was raised in foster care with humans. So he's a werewolf, but he doesn't know about true mates and the instant attraction to mates. And he pulls her over because as he's passing her, like on a small country lane, she smiles at him and it catches his attention. 
and he backs up and he pulls her over and she's mad because small town, white cop, she's a black female and she's from the city and why are you harassing me? <laughs> and um, when I say molested, I mean, he like did um, a full body search for contraband. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so that scene, it, 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 it's pure fantasy. I mean, if that happened for real, somebody would be in jail. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's true. <laughs> How much of your writing is what you want to read? Like, I know some authors just, they write stories like, stories I write are not stories that I'm writing because I'm like, I want to read those stories. I love the stories. I love the emotions that my stories create. But how much of it's driven based on, it's something because we were talking to um, another writer and she was talking about the Harlequin books. And part of what got her started writing was that she wanted to see a strong female black character as the lead in a book in the Harlequin books were not that let's just say that back in the day, that's not what they were. So how much of it is driven based on that for you? Um, that's kind of a tricky question for me. I mean, cause I could take that two ways. Some, People write because they want to see themselves in their book. Exactly. Exactly. They want to see. Yeah. I pretty much let my characters tell me who they are. So although I would say 80% of my heroines are black, I also have um, white, Hispanic, I'm basically multicultural when I write. Um, now, as far as the story, I just whatever story comes to me. If, if I don't love it, I don't publish it. And I think that's awesome. How many stories end up in your story graveyard when you start? Actually, I, I don't have dead stories. I have unfinished stories where I've started something. Because, you know, you always get your best book ideas when you're in the middle of writing something else. That's so, true. Yeah. True. So I have some unfinished stories that I need to go back and pull them out and complete them. It's like I said, stop chasing plot buddies all over the place. Do do you have a lot of characters talking to you all the time? I don't know if they talk to me like some people say. I kind of um I'm not a plotter but I do meditate a lot on my stories you know imaginatively I, I let the scenes run through my mind and let basically the book play out in my head and then when I get back to my computer I write down all the stuff that I've been thinking about for days sometimes weeks so that that's kind of my writing process because sometimes stuff will come to me like oh what if they do this <laughs> you know do you jot it down at all or take notes in your phone or do you just wait till you back to your computer sometimes I jot some things down like if I'm doing research I'll write my research down so I don't forget those notes but um usually the scenes just kind of come to me as I'm writing as long as I can sit 
and focus. I'm not one that listens to music or have TV or anything on when I write. It's just, if it's music, it's going to be instrumental. I don't need anything distracting me. That was going to be my next question because I know some writers that do great with music going. Some play movies in the background. I I have to listen to Celtic music because it's music. And, you know, even if they're singing in it, it's very... um methodical you know musical like i'm not trying to sing along with the celtic singer like that's not mm -hmm. happening whereas if you put 80s music on i would probably sing every single song that came on and that would be very distracting but um do you ever write in public be back when we could be in public around humans um did you ever like write in coffee shops or anything like that when my daughter was in high school um you know, I did the mom thing. You, you take her to the mall. You take her to... I always had um, pen and paper with me. So railroad tracks. I'm waiting for the train to go by. I'm jotting stuff down. <laughs> Sitting in the parking lot waiting for her to come out the store. I'm jotting stuff down. So, yeah, I, I've done a lot of that. I've never... I, mm, rarely do I use my notes on my phone. Um, unless I think I'm going to absolutely forget that, you know, before I can get to my laptop and I don't have um, pen and paper to write it down, I'll do it that way. But uh, for the most part, usually what I think of, it either comes back to me or something either better, even better does. What does your daughter think of your writing? Um, both. Uh, I have two daughters and both of them are supremely I'm out supportive of it. My oldest one, every time I push a book out in print, she goes and buys it from Amazon and it makes me sign it. <laughs> She's like, Mom, these are going to be worth money someday. I'm like, okay. I think that's a great thing. So they, does she read your books? Um, yes. The youngest one, I made her wait until she was... <laughs> Um, maybe 19 before I would let her read. It. Really? When I first started writing, um, all of my books were erotic. <laughs> you know, the first semi, um, I would say my first spicy book was The Question. It had a lot of emotional drama in it, um, but not a lot of sex scenes simply because of the, the plot that it contained because mm -hmm. um, in the question, it's almost borderline women's fiction. There are two best friends and one asks the other friend to be a surrogate for her and her husband. Oh, wow. But um, what complicates it is her friend not too long ago, lost her husband and her two-year-old in a car accident. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, I don't want to throw the sex in the middle of that too much. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, it. So I really explored the whole surrogacy and the emotional. You know, it is the baby your baby. You know, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, it got really detail. So I would say maybe the last three-fourths of the book is where sex starts popping up. But the first is just all the emotional drama that's going back and forth between the friends and 
you know, everything. Because everybody has an opinion. Yeah. The True Mates one, I know you said there was like seven books. Do you, can, do you like keep a world Bible or anything? Because I know you have standalones, but do you keep like a Bible for like your more extended series just to kind of like keep your mind refreshed if you need to go back to anything from a previous book? I had to with True Mates. And actually, um, I will forever be grateful. The last one that I wrote that was published by Lucid, my editor sent me a Bible because I got a detail wrong. <laughs> she was like, no, the um, Alex looks like this and his book looks like this. And here, here's your Bible. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, put in the place by the editor. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad she caught it because the readers will know you if she didn't. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. Forks being like, what did you do? His eyes are blue, not brown or whatever. Something. I, um, I read Laura Lee. No, that's not Laura Lee. Krista Feehan. Her um, dark series. Okay. Um, and I, I saw a note that she did about how readers came for her because she um, got the de the rules of her world wrong in book three, because she had a new editor and they oh. didn't know. And I, for the longest, I didn't know what she was talking about, but then I decided, well, I'm gonna reread this series again from the very beginning. And I got the book three and it was, <laughs> when I hit that section where they got it wrong, I was like, this is not right. What is she talking about? <laughs> That's not how it works. And I was like, oh, that's what she was talking about. I'll tell you, editors are so vital, but editors got to have their cojones and they got to understand what the world is there. You know, Stephen King talks about that. He, from the cell, like he had that happen when he they wrote the cell. Not they got the world wrong, but there were just so many editing mistakes. And you was, that's great that your editor went, here's your world Bible. Pay attention, pay attention. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's just why it's important that editors and authors communicate with each other because the editor for Stephen King was too afraid because of the fact that, you know, he's Stephen King, but, you know, you, you can't be afraid. You and, and vice versa, an author should never be afraid to communicate with an editor because at the end of the day, you're both human, you know, and the goal is to, like, build and write the best story possible you know so well that and both your names are on the damn book so you should probably try to get it right for sure. like you know if we're if we're just talking bare basics here you put your name on the damn book try to get it right so let's let's talk about sex okay so you wrote erotic books what was it like to write that first sex scene it just flowed. I've never had a problem writing them, probably because I was reading so many of them. Are there and, words you don't use though? Like, cause like that, like Valerie, she's gonna hate me for saying this, refuses to use certain words in her erotic scenes. So I'm just curious, do you have any like words you don't, you don't, you don't use? Um, not really. Um, at one time I had what they call a, an erotic therapy. Thesaurus. Oh, okay. I have those. Yes. yes. I have an erotic thesaurus, and I have a um, a Kuma, a Kama Sutra illustrated book for positions. Um, yeah, no, 
I, I think mine is more acts I won't do more so than words I won't use. Mm. That makes sense. No, okay. that does. Do you do you ever find that you have to go back and count the limbs and make sure that you haven't put like three arms or four penises when there's, you know, st stuff like that? Because that's one thing, because I write erotic uh, and so does Vanessa. And I, I realized that a lot of times you have to reread what you actually put on the paper, not what you imagined in your head to make sure all the body parts actually work for where they're going, especially if there are more than two people in the scene. Mm -hmm. I usually only have two people, but I am a stickler for height and how the bodies align. So um, like my ex-husband was six, five and I'm like five, five. So I know if I'm reading and he's, you know, the characters in the book, I know that my forehead came to his stern and our pelvises don't line up when we're standing. So I try to go back and, you know, make sure I've got all those details, right? Stuff that, you yeah. know, if you've never been in a relationship like that with extreme height differences, you probably wouldn't think about it. Oh, I'm five two. So the fact that you brought that up, I was like, Damn right. I would be so pissed if I read something like that. I'm like, that's not possible. We don't we don't <laughs> line in the right place. <laughs> yeah. You think about stuff like that. Well, so it's funny. I'm six feet tall. Okay. So I have a totally different perspective on this than a woman who's shorter. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, I haven't dated a lot of shorter guys than me, but yeah, no, it's definitely like, where do your hips line up? Where did your pelvis? And I also think it's interesting when you talk about the guys and picking them up and you go, okay, how does that literally work? You know what I mean? It's good. You have the Kama Sutra book because there's some stuff I read that I'm like, yeah, that's not even possible. Right. <laughs> you know, that's not, mm, no, doesn't work like that. Well, we out there, I know it doesn't work. We've actually had, because we have like a, the other editors and writers at Four Horsemen, we'll have Zoom calls every night, you know, where we're, you know, kind of keeping each other accountable. And we always end up having some crazy conversations. We're like, okay, I'm going to read the sex scene. You tell me if how I'm describing it is the way you're visualizing it. And then we'll have to be like, oh no, the body part goes here. You have to describe it here. And yeah. <laughs> And then, and then some of the ladies' husbands will walk by and be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it, it, for me, it's the chair spin. My boyfriend sits back there, and if his chair turns slightly, I know he's like, what did you just <laughs> And I'm like, it's a threesome, honey. We're figuring out where the tail goes. Thanks. <laughs> So what what kind of um what is your uh, fans like? So what are your fans like? What is what is that like? Um, I have some pretty awesome fans. Um, of course, because I write in so many different um subgenres, I, I have my paranormal fans who can't wait for me to write another paranormal book or go back to True Mates, and then um, I have those who love my contemporaries, and then there are some who just if I write it, they're going to read it. Mm. And then you get those that are like, ah, that was okay, but she really needs to go back to writing true names. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so what do you, do you get a lot of emails about your work? 
Not really. I, I've, I've noticed that since Amazon has made it available for people to leave reader reviews and I'm pretty active on Facebook, um, not so much on Instagram. I'm trying to get there. Readers that really want to contact you have other ways to reach out. I will get the occasional email sometime. Do you, um, what about meeting your fans in person? What has that been like? So I just described myself on my new website as semi-reclusive introvert. <laughs> so RAE is the one event that I've, I've gone to since it started. Um, I've been to a few other, I guess you would call them book signing type things, but for the most part, I don't really do the public thing. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you always have that one part of the job that you hate, but it's necessary. That's me. I, mean, I will go and I will talk in front of people because I used to do that for my day job. I don't mind talking, but the whole, I don't like large gatherings. So like a RWA meeting or something where there's thousands of people. Mm, yeah, I don't think I would go. It definitely not alone. If I went, I'd have to drag two or three people with me that I did. Mm. Well, have you, and when you've gone to IR, um, a, have you met a lot of your fans? What that, what has that been like when you actually, when they come up and they're like, oh my God, it's in the wind, you know, that kind of thing. The first RAE I went to, um, Cassandra reached out and she issued me an invite and because it was right in Orlando, um, I went and I honestly did not know what to expect. It was the first time I had gone to something by myself. Um, so I was really, really nervous. <laughs> you know, I had the game face on, but inside I was like, oh my God, why am I here? <laughs> and the first, I mean, the first night during the intro, I think it was Barbie. Somebody was like, oh my God, you're Cena. I'm like, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I know my books sell, but I'm not like a New York Times bestseller or anything. So I kind of walk into the room with the assumption that I'm unknown. So even now, it surprises me when someone says, oh, I've read your books. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Have you had fans ask for though. pictures with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because I hate taking pictures. <laughs> you know? so, but I smile and say, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. You need to get your shameless self-promotion up. See, so we already we already talked to Kasana. We're gonna be at the next one next year in Daytona. Are you gonna be there? Oh yes. I've already paid. <laughs> We're ready. Perfection. Well, we will be there. She's letting me have a booth letting four horsemen have a booth and go crazy. So that'll be exciting. Yes. <laughs> and we can, we can do the, I'm, I'm going to make a point to do the big giant squeal from across the room, your name really loudly. Just so I can see you blush. And you're going to be like that bitch. <laughs> she said she was going to do it and she did it. 
I might not do it there because I've been going so long that I know most of the readers and we, you know, you continue throughout the year on Facebook. So I've met a lot of authors and readers there. So that that's kind of like, that's why I went this year. I had, it was funny. I started telling Kasana in like September. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not coming. And she was like, okay, talk to me in January. <laughs> January came and I was like, yeah, still not feeling it. I'm not coming. <laughs> and she was like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> and then like the week of the conference, I was like, so what are y'all doing Saturday? I may drop it Saturday. <laughs> she didn't say anything. And then the next thing I know, I was like, um, what was the hotel number again? <laughs> I think I'm just going to go ahead and book them. She said, I knew you was coming. <laughs> Well, then that'll be a fun adventure for both of us, I've decided. Okay, we have to wrap up here. I would like some writing advice that you would give authors out there. I would say what I always tell people. Write the story that's in your heart and stay true to your values. Don't chase a dollar. There is no satisfaction in chasing the dollar and if you are happy with what you wrote, then don't let a few negative opinions get you off of that. <clears throat> oh my goodness. That is so true. So true. Okay. So how do people, how do your fans out there find you? Um, they can email me or I'm on Facebook um, at Zena Wynn. Sometimes I'm on Instagram. I'm getting better about it. <laughs> The thing I don't like about Instagram is you have to do everything on your phone. And I'm very much a computer laptop person. So if they ever set up Instagram where I can post from my laptop, oh, I'll be on there all the time. You can post via Facebook <laughs> Instagram. I thought you can. Okay. No, you absolutely can as long as it's the right picture size. It just can't be a really, really large picture. It has to be the right dimensions but no you absolutely can go to post ads and you can choose to post it on instagram oh okay. i just opened up a whole new world for you whole new world. <laughs> so everybody listening zena's gonna be on instagram you'll find her there quite a bit more <laughs> yes, so, what is the last the latest book that just came out on memorial day it's um the actual series title is Mate Match Agency, um, and it's book two, and it's Mate Run Pete, um, Charisse, Charisse's story. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You have been an amazing guest, my friend. Thank you for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for asking me. Oh, absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. And our guest has been Zena Wynn, and we will see you next time. Bye.